You're listening to 3CR Radio. With Heya, great track. Seriously, great how can clip. you not dance to that? I know the clip with the Beatles s kind of thing going on. We were bopping away. Yeah, right. All right, so it is eleven after four, and you're listening to In Your Face on Three CR with Yvette and James, and we are joined by Angela Bailey. So she is the curator of We Are Here, an exhibition of contemporary artists' exploration of their queer cultural heritage, which will be showing at Midsummer Festival. Welcome, Angela. Thank you, James. Wow. It's it's kind of like the intersection of the Gay and Lesbian Archives and works in the State Library of Victoria being interpreted by various queer artists. Yeah. One of the pieces really jumps out at me. It's by uh, Archie Barry and it explores a photo from the State Library of Edward D. Lacey Evans uh, exploring the complexities of transgender visibility and invisibility. First of all, who was Edward D. Lacey Evans? Mm-hmm. Edward de Lacey Evans was a, a transgender person who lived their life ooh, in the 19th century, very early on lived their life as a man. And there's a number of photographs in the State Library of Edward in various guises and also Edward also married at various stages and they did all sorts of things like they were gold miners up in Bendigo as well. So a really eclectic type of history there and I think what Archie's really looking at doing is just bringing out the invisibility of someone like Edward and the trials that they faced and just interpreting it into their own work in terms of the issues that they address in terms of invisibility, visibility of transgender. Mm. So We Here involves the collections from uh, the State Library of Victoria and also the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives. So how have you worked with that? Yeah, well, we sort of gave the artists a bit of a free reign to explore both collections. So if there was something that they were particularly interested in, then they went sort of looking for it. So a lot of the artists have engaged with the State Library in a way that they're going and sort of looking for themselves within that collection. So looking for their sort of identities within that collection. So how they identify as queer people. Um, and what's sort of looking back at them in Mm. terms of the collection. Um, It's a similar sort of thing with the Australian Lesbian Gay Archives. Obviously, they've got a lot more sort of content, but it is also about what sort of identities and um, are reflected back at our community and what we can sort of see in terms of bigger institutions is that they don't necessarily sometimes have that full diverse range of our various communities and cultures and it's been one of the things with LGBTI histories is that they're often not uh, part of a general sort of discourse around history within those mm. institutions. So, so for you, what's the most striking image in We Are Here? Uh, well, the artists are still sort of chipping away and um, devising their works, but um, they've all sort of shown a fantastic interest in delving into the collection. So Archie's work with those 
little old carte de visite photographs of Edward de Lacey are going to be incorporated into some performance work by Archie. So that's pretty exciting. And then someone like Peter Lambropoulos is really doing a bit of a mash-up of these fantastic sort of videos of various drag queens from also dance parties and that sort of thing. So, mm. yeah. Can we talk for a moment about, so Midsummer folk have referred to as queer culture making, or the importance of queer culture mm. making. Mm. So with something like We Are Here, um, how is that really contributing to? Yeah, yeah. I think um, how, well, it's, I guess what is exciting for me is that the artists are really excited too about creating new work. So creating new work in terms of the curatorial brief of engaging with the collections. And I think that's what, how it fits in with the midsummer creating sort of queer content. And um, also I think it's really important that it's another way of accessing our history and accessing our collections is that we bring a contemporary um, gaze onto it to sort of bring out some of those stories rather than a sort of a more staid museum-type environment. Mm. So you're a curator. You're curating We Are Here. I imagine, well, I know you've done lots of exhibitions over the years. Is there one really important aspect that you always find yourself focusing on to kind of just keep it all together when you curate uh, so don't go crazy yeah <laughs> I feel a little bit crazy today yeah sometimes do you, you yeah <laughs> do you yeah I always feel crazy I know it's sort of yeah the vibe out there in the street is a little bit crazy but bit um <laughs> what keeps it together for me um, or just something you always tell yourself, you know, to stay on track so yeah. you don't go off the rails. I'm very much a visual person, so right. I do mm. sort of put myself into that headspace of like the visualness of seeing it on the walls and seeing right. the artists, you know, happy with their finished work. So is that and the rule? Make sure you see what it's like <laughs> on the wall? Well, see what it's like in the space, I yeah, guess. Right. You know, the great thing about being in the State Library is they've got a you know, fantastic team of people there and working with some of their designers and things to just sort of create a space that really sort of mm. pops this exhibition out and, you know. Mm. Your, your background was in photography. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, How um, did you go from that to, to, to curating? Do you ever incorporate your own work? I do. Into these I do, oh, yeah. Not in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me it was very much I just found that I was doing more and more exhibitions and so I sort of to go down that path of curating and what really interests me is sort of working with collections so whether they be community collections or the bigger state collections and um, and then getting a real community engagement with the exhibitions as well so yeah mm. it's great does we are here have a political theme uh, I think mm. in terms of a political theme it's got I guess a political theme of visibility and, you know, sometimes that lack of the invisible or the erasure of LGBTI stories from, you know, our sort of mainstream sort of um, institutions sometimes. Not so much that it's happening now, but it did definitely sort of happen previously. So it's about getting those stories out and, I mean, the name of the exhibition, too, is from a fantastic placard that I saw in a um, – well, I didn't see it personally. I saw a photograph of it from one of those 1970s protests about gay liberation. And I really thought it resonated with the whole idea of history and, and our communities and that it, the placard was like, 
we were here, we are here, we have a future, and I think that's sort of really relevant still to today. That absolutely, it's interesting over the decades that. that hasn't gone away in all of the various kind of you know political themes of LGBTI rights, you know, with liberation in the 70s, HIV, AIDS in the 80s, yeah. marriage equality now. It's all about we're here. Yeah, and mm. and we're still, you know, fired up. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> well, that leads me to a question, but I know you had a question no, about... No, you go about, for it. Oh, really? Yeah, I like it. Well, I like your slightly... follow-on from being fired up. <laughs> oh, <Sounds> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a bit fired up. I'm usually fired up. Um, okay, so under the hashtag Beyond Yes on uh, Midsummer's, uh, Midsummer's Facebook page or Twitter one of those things the other day they mentioned getting on with the job of healing and resuming you know the many other lgbtiqa conversations that we still need to have yeah. i wanted to ask you about this because um uh, recently well recently a few days ago i had a conversation with someone who i thought was of reasonable intelligence said to me that now that uh same-sex couples uh, can marry there is no need anymore for Radio shows, even such as ours. That's a bit like saying um, to a woman, now that comp- you've got married, you know, there's yeah. no need to have a career or be visible. Yeah, so it right. it goes back to that visibility well, thing, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, he, he was justifying it by saying, well, you know, uh, it means that, you know, the queer community is now they're validated. So, therefore, that's it. The conversation's over. There are no more conversations How to have. How dreadful to be defined by marriage. So, <laughs> I know. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, first of all, how do, how do we deal with such stupidity? Because I've found out since that he's not alone. There are a lot of people saying similar things on social media. Yeah, so the conversation, there are no more conversations to have yeah. about the community. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that, would be my, that would be my question. Yeah, How do I, we- <laughs> I think, you know, to delve into the layers of that, you know, there are still so many levels of discrimination facing LGBTI communities. Mm. And even if we look at the recent sort of issues around asylum seekers and into this country and how they're um, treated and particularly referencing the fact that there are a lot of asylum seekers who are seeking asylum because of the countries that they're seeking it from are, Mm -hmm. you know, it's illegal and even punishable by death to be gay. So, yeah, there's still so many issues that are relevant to our community. And, Mm. you know, we saw so much hate during this recent equality debate that one thing that it did show, I think, the community is that, yes, the majority of Australians did support a yes vote, but the vial that came out with that made us all stand up and go, oh, you know, this is still, you know, a spiteful thing mm. for some, mm. you know, people. And um, that still makes you want to be in the fight. Yep. Hmm. Yep. And you made the international point as well. I mean, every day there's something in the news, you know, about LGBTI human rights in in countries, for example, like, you know, Chechnya or Indonesia, where the High Court ruled this week, their highest court ruled by 5-4 that uh, gay sex was legal and uh, extramarital sex was legal. But it was touch and go. And, of course, in places like Aceh, the abuses that occur Mm. are horrific. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot to be done before we go away and basically get behind that white picket fence yeah, and die. <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic. It but is. Yeah, really, what a ridiculous point. But, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's like God I said, it's something that well, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe God does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how I it don't... all sort of pans out. Isn't yeah, it? there'll be a lot more um, divorces. Yeah, exactly. Wait up. till the gay well, divorce scandal yeah. starts. Right, right, yeah. to, right to marry, right to divorce. Right to divorce. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, hetero, heterosexuals have they've they've got that in the bag, haven't they? More than, <laughs> yeah. more than half of them get divorced. Yeah. Yep. Angela, thank you so much for being with us it's been a great today. Pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm better now. And, oh, you are? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, I think look, it's, the, you worked... I think it's the, the dim lights in the studio and the air <laughs> right. conditioning. I mean, we we worked through night. the crazy. Yeah, we worked, through, all, the we worked through the crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. all good. Fantastic. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Angela. <laughs> <laughs> He got me so mad, jumped through the buckler Hurt him so bad, cut the bone through the knuckler Don't give a fuck if I can't see, cut my eyelids wide open like the wings of a butterfly I sing for my supper guy Dance round the ring and run rings round these other guys When it's crunch time, I won't be under my I won't throw a punch, I'm talking about fucking rhyme High jab with another line, mouth garden, but I still got my tongue in my cheek. My speech so I'm refined, make my own mother cry. Ain't no sign of mine, ain't no alumni. Can tell by the way I say it, love it. I sit for crushes, start a step by step down left and send you lullaby with machetes to you, but I know till I'm ready, cause that bloody eyes, the window to your soul, and bro, I'm pulling down your shot as I've never been scared of life, but what you pass me by from my Takes a particular touch, the way to deliver a punch. If the game isn't vicious enough, then we play to the haters and give it enough. Let them come, let them fall down now. Set it once, set it all around town. I get it done, they're gonna get them hung. When I come, better run, better haul that south. I've never been scared of life, but what you pass me by from my Let's go, let's go, let's go. I've never 
Now Sparkly with Who's Gonna Save My Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Great track. <laughs> You're listening to 3CR Radio. The family edition of Archer Magazine is being launched tonight at the Mechanics Institute in Brunswick. It features themes around polyamory, infidelity, HIV and gay men, trans kids and fat femme visibility. On the line we have Danny Weber from Archer Magazine. Welcome, Danny. So excited to be with you today. It's great to have you on board. Now, look, I love your magazine. It describes itself as the world's most inclusive public publication why totally well Archer magazine i just think it really we really work hard to prioritize lesser heard voices so you'll find every issue really crosses a huge span of different perspectives and really that lack of censorship or being worried about what people will think what an audience will think just being really true to those people's perspectives all right so what is the story behind archer magazine so Archer Magazine was founded by Amy Middleton, and this is its ninth issue. It comes out every six months, and it's been a huge labor of love. I've come on as events coordinator recently. I was actually published in the Day Bears issue last year. And yeah, basically, Amy just didn't see a magazine like this, didn't see a magazine that celebrated inclusivity, lesser heard voices. And also, it's not specifically LGBT. It's not specifically queer. So it's a magazine to celebrate sex, gender, identity. And of course, it's huge crossovers, but it's not just a gay magazine or a lesbian magazine. Mm. It's something to span across so many different types of experiences. So, so the, topic that, the topics that Archer covers seem to be as diverse as human sexuality is. So you've got like, there's, uh, I've read stuff about masturbation, polyamory, sex addiction, asexuality, being Aboriginal and gay, and even sex and ageing. So how do you source writers for such diversity? Totally. I think a lot of it happens through different networks and the team itself is quite diverse as well, um, with lots of different experiences. But yeah, we have writers from Melbourne, from Sydney, from Australia, but also internationally as well. And I think there was an, an article in the last issue, which was from a writer who's actually like seeking asylum right now, like in detention. Mm. So it can be from that broad range of experience, whether they're in Australia or not. And it's basically about, I think, reaching out to different communities. So Archer Magazine is well-known amongst different communities, which is really great as well. So we have a lot of people pitching and keen to be involved. So tell us about Abby Mag, who features on the cover of The Last Archer and how she fits with the family theme. Well, I think that this shoot, it's so exciting to finally have had it happen, having that that gender shoot to the front. I'm not personally super familiar with her work or the actual theme. Um, in terms of that, this shoot, um, that's probably more of a question for Amy. She's not here right now, I'm sorry, because actually she's, she's super pregnant um, and oh. she's about to actually go on maternity leave. So what I'd say about Abby Mag is she's mm. fat, she's black and she's incredibly sexy. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's wonderful. And, and you know, it's this whole show. issue is just about family, but also in the, in the sense of the family we create around us and the inclusivity we have with the people around us and the way we surround ourselves with a diverse range of people. So, yeah, family's um, a real yeah, self-defining, you know, concept, isn't it? It's, it goes well beyond biology, and I think that's a real kind of, you know, lesson that the LGBTI community can kind of, you know, really teach the world about how that can be embraced. Definitely, exactly. And so, we, you know, we have our launch tonight, and it's about, you know, celebrating the family, the Archer family too, because we come together every six months, and it really is a tight-knit family. I think you can have so many different lenses of that, and especially in the LGBT community, where some people are estranged from the actual biological family per se, being able to choose people around you who have your back no matter what's so important. 
You mentioned censorship just at the beginning of the interview here. So what is Archer Magazine's experience with censorship? Well, first of all, is, is Archer online an online publication as well as printed? So we have more of a focus on print. We do have a lot of online articles that come through mm-hmm. and they're fantastic as well. And you'll find that around six months after a print issue has come out, those articles will start to appear online as well. So mm-hmm. release them a bit later. But, you know, it's holding a magazine in your hand. You know, a lot of people aren't, aren't into that anymore. But it is such a beautiful physical publication. So we have so, a huge emphasis So have that. you run into issues with censorship or distrib- distribution problems? Yeah, great question. So I can speak to specifically the last issue, issue eight, Spaces. The cover um, was a cover photo of Tilly Lawless and it was a wonderful image, but her, her nipple was showing. Mm-hmm. And she would have been completely comfortable with that being on news, uh, newspaper stands, magazine stands. However, it would have we would have been censored by those stands. It would have limited our actual reach. So it's Amy, the editor, made the decision to actually put a removable sticker across the nipple saying, uncensor me, so the actual buyer could actually, and the actual reader could actually peel the sticker off if they wanted to have that. But in order to have mm-hmm. it on the stands, we actually had to, um, yeah, have the sticker on there. So that was quite interesting. And it's quite erotic that doing that almost, isn't it? Yeah, I was just thinking. It's kind of like you yeah. know, a, a, a reader interactive, <laughs> a reader erotic interactive. Hey, look, um, I'm really fascinated by how you guys survive as a magazine. I mean, how, how do you stay alive on print and paper? when so many magazines globally are folding? Yeah, great question. Um, I don't know the complete details of this, but from my perspective as the events coordinator, our events are one of the biggest things that bring us in revenue. So tonight's a really huge fundraiser. And honestly, because Archer is so inclusive and is so committed to really representing the community, it has a lot of respect. I think people really do want to support it. Even every event when I think, oh, we need some volunteers, I put the call out there and I'm overwhelmed by the response. So you have people who, yes, of course, donate, people who come to these fundraisers and people who are committed to buying the magazine and really proud to display it in their homes. So honestly, it's not the most lucrative thing. I think being in print is still a struggle for sure. Don't want to paint it as a dream picture, but I think because of the, the way we actually carry ourselves and actually represent the community, different communities, that's what makes it, making it successful. Mm. How necess- well, necessarily or not provocative is Archer magazine? Oh, interesting question. I think, I think once you're inside the magazine, the, the actual cover, you know, it has to have a certain amount of censorship, for example, to be on the stands. But inside, it's kind of no holds barred. But we don't be gratuitously sexual or anything like that. It depends on, I guess, someone's personal views and perspectives. But people often know what they're getting when they're mm. getting Archer, which is a really raw, honest, non-gratuitous, but like insightful view into something to do with sex and identity, which can be provocative. But, yeah, I think it's just the honest truth. Do you think hard copy magazines will make a comeback, just like cassettes are now making a comeback <laughs> and, like, vinyl made a comeback? In fact, it's made a couple of comebacks. Do you think that, you know, this era of everybody reading things online or on their, you know, devices, do you think that will wane and we'll see a resurgence of print? I think so. I think Archer is the kind of magazine that people who don't really read magazines are happy to own, happy to buy. And I think we'll see a resurgence, maybe in something as infrequent as this, given that only every six months. I think people really look forward to it, look forward to holding it and having it on their coffee table, for example. Who knows? I'm personally really into the internet, really into the online world. I'm really glad that we do have the online presence as well, for sure. (laughs) 
So why do you think Archer is so attractive to people that normally don't don't buy magazines? It's almost as if it's an emblem. Would you say it's it's where's the street cred come from? What's what's the affinity? Hmm. Great question. Well, I think one thing is that. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We really just want to represent the community. So if we stuff up, we apologize. For example, some events in the past haven't always gone best. We've had like a conflict with the booking and you could barely hear the speakers. And we just apologized before and afterwards and made as many amends as we could. So I think some institutions, corporations, organizations try and save face a lot. Whereas if someone called us out, if someone let us know something was wrong, we would just say thank you and move on and try. If someone said we weren't diverse enough or we represented something in a detrimental way, I think we would keep moving on. I think that a lot of people, especially young people, want to see more humility from organisations. And certainly from the LGBTI press, which in the past has had quite a tense relationship with the community and has been accused of all sorts of things around gender and, um, you know, chauvinism and exclusion and racism. So you guys kind of Mm -hmm. have transcended that. Yeah, no, great observation, honestly. And, yeah, a lot of, you know, people who are quite suspicious of different organisations or publications, quite critical, see Archer as genuinely always trying to keep up with what's important and genuinely trying to find those lesser-heard voices, not just saying it, but not just tokenising people and actually paying their writers, their contributors, and actually, like it does here, fat sends to the front, prioritising people who don't always get prioritised. So you see that over and over again. I think that builds that trust. So do you pay union rates? For the writers' contributors, yeah. or I, I don't know the answer to that because I'm, I'm the event coordinator, so I couldn't speak to that one. But yeah, I think as a writer, I was happy with what I was paid as well. So, yeah. so you get paid five cents a word. Uh, no, yeah, exactly. It's, it's I think a pretty general rate. It's not a huge amount, but yeah, it's really really amazing. And for me, having been published in it in um, this, around this time last year, it opened up a world of opportunities as well because the people reading it really cared about what I'd written about, which was doing drag and it was just oh, incredible I was about so, to ask you what your piece was about yeah. doing drag so <laughs> you, you perform drag yeah yeah so I'm a, a non-binary drag performer mostly drag king and I wrote about that topic being non-binary and doing drag and not only was it really rewarding because I love Archer every every magazine I've read I've learned something thought it was incredible but then so many opportunities came my way out of that too and then when I was approached to be events coordinator I was like yes of course I'd love to and the team that do Megan Magazine happen were all pretty much volunteers, so we're happy to do it. Oh, that was my that was my next question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how much? How, how how many volunteers actually partake in Archer Mag? <laughs> yeah, how many make it happen? Oh, off the top of my head, maybe it's around ten-ish in Sydney and in Melbourne, mostly in Melbourne. And yeah, we have Megan's events, and we have you know two different editors who help Amy. Amy will be handing over the reins to someone else's managing editor as well as she goes maternity leave, which is, I think, a big step for her because this mm. has been her baby. That's the story, honestly. It's been her baby and she's always sat there behind the scenes. But, yeah, today will be kind of her send-off as well. Well, Danny, it sounds awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. It's been great. Good luck tonight. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.